0: Good morning, everybody. Um, over these last five weeks I've been in close proximity to our family members for 24 hours, um, seven days a week, I'm sure you will all agree with me that relationships are not always smooth sailing. And whether that relationship is between a husband and a wife, whether it's between a parent and a child, or a friend to friend, or a colleague to colleague, Relationships are challenging and they can be both wonderful and annoying at the same time. They can be full of good and bad emotion, they are messy, they are risky, they are unpredictable, and we can have thoughts of both undying love for our family members and friendships and murder in the same hour. I hope that hasn't just been in the Wallace home this week. But I want to share with you this morning that Christianity is also a relationship. It's a relationship we have with Jesus, which means that it may not always be smooth sailing either, because it's a relationship. If it was just a religion, things to do, boxes to tick off in order to be right, Then it would take all the emotion and all the messiness and riskiness out of it. But it's a relationship that we have with Jesus. So this morning, if you feel that your relationship with Jesus has not always been smooth sailing, it's had a lot of ups and downs, I am so glad that you are watching. Or if you find in this season of your life you have more questions and doubts and fears, than you have strong faith I'm so glad you are watching this morning or maybe you are just watching because someone sent you a link and you don't believe that Jesus is alive. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. I am particularly glad that you are watching this morning because when we look in the Bible, we see Jesus had relationships with his disciples and they were real relationships. They ate together they walked miles together, they fished together, they challenged one another, they got mad at each other. It was very real relationships. The disciples were far from perfect, and Jesus was okay with that. When we look at all the disciples and the relationships they had with Jesus, we see them arguing amongst themselves. Who's the greatest? We see them attempting miracles and failing. We see them misunderstanding the things that Jesus is trying to teach them. We see them wanting to send hungry people and children away from Jesus when those are the very people that Jesus is trying to reach. We even see one of them denying that he even knew Jesus because he was filled with fear. I find all of this strangely comforting as I look at my own life and my own journey of faith. Because through it all, we see that Jesus never let go of them. And this morning, I want to look in depth at one of those relationships that Jesus had, and it's with one of the disciples called Thomas. Now, the name Thomas means twin, and people have have said possibly Thomas was a twin, we just don't know who was his twin, but Thomas means twin, and his actual name was Didymus. But I'm going to keep calling him Thomas this morning because it's much easier to say than Didymus. But Thomas would have been with Jesus for three years, and he saw Jesus do many amazing miracles. There were many times in Thomas's life that his faith was strong. And in John 11, we see such a time when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, I've just heard that my friend Lazarus is really sick in Judea, and I'm going to go back to Judea to help the family, and his disciples say to him, Jesus, don't go, there are Jews waiting there to stone you, and if you go, you could possibly die. And it's Thomas who stands up and says these words to Jesus in verse 16. He says, let us also go to Judea, that we may die with him. Isn't that incredible? His faith was so strong at that point, he had probably seen Jesus do an incredible miracle. And he says, let's go to Judea. Let's die with Jesus. At this point in Thomas's life, his faith is strong and he's even willing to die for Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if our faith is always like this? Then we see Thomas again in John 14 verse 1. I'm going to read you this account. It's not going to be on the screen. If you have your Bibles at home, maybe you can turn there with me. Um, The book of John, chapter 14, verse 1, and we see another account of Thomas. Now Jesus is speaking and he says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Do you pick up a little bit of frustration in what Thomas is saying here? Jesus is talking, and the next minute Thomas says, Lord, We don't know where you're going, so how are we meant to know the way there? As I read that, I get a a sense of Thomas' questioning and not understanding what Jesus is saying. And then Jesus goes on and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would also know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Thomas was not afraid to ask Jesus questions. He had questions, and he wants them answered. So he asks, and Jesus answers with one of the most profound statements in the Bible. Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So Thomas, you do know the way to the Father. It's through me. I want to encourage you to ask the questions that you have about your faith. Jesus loves questions and he loves answering them. We are meant to have questions along our way because that's a real relationship. Sometimes our questions can lead to profound truths, like we see with Thomas. There was a profound truth that came from his question that was then established in his life. Over the years that I've been a Christian, which is now nearly 45 years, I have asked many questions of Jesus. I've read certain things in the Word of God, and I've had questions about them. And I've asked my questions to Jesus in order to get answers. Questions like, does God still heal today? I have seen people get healed. I've also prayed for people, and they haven't been healed. So I have wrestled with the question over the years, does God still heal today? I've asked Jesus that question. I've also asked him questions about tithing. Growing up as a child, I would give 10% of my pocket money to Jesus every week. And then at the age of 19, I got my first salary check. And giving 10% of a salary check is a little bit more than giving 10% of my pocket money. And I remember wrestling with this, knowing that Jesus speaks about it in the Bible, but needing to have some answers from him, and then discovering that actually 100% of all of my salary check belongs to Jesus, and he is allowing me to keep 90%. That is the revelation I had. So giving of the 10% was then easy. But I had to wrestle through that question with Jesus in order for it to be an established truth in my life. I've wrestled with the, with the question of forgiveness. Do I really have to forgive her, Lord? Do you understand what she's done? Do I really have to forgive her? And so in my wrestling, profound truths have been established in my life that are now unshakable. they unmovable because I've wrestled with God over them. And when we ask our questions and when we wrestle with God over certain things, the truth is cemented into our hearts for the rest of our lives. Thomas asked questions. Then let's go to John 20. We see Thomas again. By this time, Jesus has died. The disciples are devastated and terrified. And Jesus appears to them, proving that he actually has been resurrected. But when Jesus appears to the disciples, Thomas is not with them. I think he was so filled with fear that he had isolated himself because he had thought, well, maybe because they killed Jesus, they're now going to come after his disciples. And so when Jesus appeared to his disciples, Thomas was not amongst them. So let's read from verse 24, and this time it is up on the screen. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas had doubts that Jesus was alive and he voiced those doubts and what does Jesus do Jesus doesn't discard him Jesus doesn't reject him Jesus doesn't ridicule him instead Jesus steps right into Thomas's doubts he appears right before him he meets him right where Thomas is at and he says I am real Thomas I am alive See for yourself. Thomas replies with his confession of faith, My Lord and my God. You know, history has given Thomas a nickname called Doubting Thomas. If you look in any of the commentaries, or if you Google Thomas, the disciple Thomas, up will come Doubting Thomas. And I found that really sad, because it implies that our doubts are wrong, and Jesus can't deal with them. And I think when I meet Thomas in heaven one day, I want to apologize to him on behalf of the church because we've called him Doubting Thomas. And actually, Jesus was okay with his doubts. Jesus was big enough to handle Doubting Thomas' doubts. Doubts are only wrong if we allow them to remain. Did you hear that? Doubts are only wrong if we allow them to remain and affect our purpose in God. But if they keep our faith moving, then they are just part of our journey. Piet gave us an incredible quote a few weeks back, which I love and I want to um, put it up again. It says this, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. I love that because it portrays doubts as positive and not negative if we deal with them properly. They keep our faith awake and moving. Do you know that Thomas went on to be a missionary in India? And it's been said that he helped establish seven churches. Doubting Thomas helped establish seven churches in India because he was willing and felt safe enough with Jesus to ask his questions and present his doubts to Jesus. Now the reason that Thomas got his doubts answered was because he encountered Jesus, number one, and number two, he was back in community. He was back with the disciples. When Jesus appeared again and Thomas was there, he had decided to join the disciples again. He was out of isolation. He had come back into community. I want to encourage you, if you are not in a Christian community, find one. Because it's there that you will encounter Jesus, and it's there that your doubts will be helped to be eradicated. A Christian community, even with all its warts and flaws, is better than not being in one at all. And Thomas teaches us that. That to be in a community is to be in a place where your doubts can be eradicated. And then if you are watching and you feel like Thomas today in John chapter 20, you actually doubt that Jesus is even alive, just like Thomas did. You've heard about him, but you're not convinced. I want to encourage you to ask Jesus yourself. To show himself to you, to reveal himself to you. Jesus said, If you seek me with all of your heart, you he will find me. And if you seek Jesus with all of your heart, he will reveal himself to you. Today, more than ever, we need to know what truth is. And truth is not a concept, it's a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And if you sincerely want to know if Jesus is truth, ask him to reveal himself to you. I want to finish off by probably saying the most important thing that I am going to be saying this morning. What makes our relationship with Jesus so strong that it can handle all our questions, all our doubts, all our wonderings and shortcomings. What makes our relationship with Jesus so strong? It's something called covenant. What is a covenant, you may ask me? A covenant is an agreement between a higher being and a lesser being with a seal of blood. That's what a covenant is. And in the Old Testament, God made covenants with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, with David, based on animal sacrifices, a seal of blood. They had to sacrifice animals in order for their sins to be atoned for. But this covenant was flawed because it was unable to change people's hearts. And if we look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter 8, it says this, For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declared the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenants I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declared the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. The new covenant is a relationship that we have with Jesus. Jesus came to earth to shed his blood. Blood needed to be shed in order for a covenant to be established. So now there is a promise of redemption from God to individual people on the basis of God's grace, rather than a person's adherence to the law. This covenant, the new covenant, is much better, it's much stronger, and it's able to keep us and hold us in our failings, it's able to hold us in our questionings and in our doubtings, it's able to deliver us into a wonderful purpose, like it did for Thomas, it allows us to be real. You know, when I was um, 16, I lived in Australia. And I was a Christian at the time, and I was part of a wonderful church. But at the age of 16, I was still working through my faith on so many levels. And I had so many doubts, so many questions, so many failings. But every time I had a doubt, I would feel guilty. And that Sunday, I would recommit my life to God. And then during the week, I would have a question about the Bible. I didn't really believe what it was saying. And I would feel guilty. And that Sunday I would recommit my life to the Lord. Over about a year, I just recommitted and recommitted and recommitted my life because I didn't know this truth. That the covenant that God had made with me was so strong that it was able to keep me through all of my failings along the way. And I wish someone had taught me this before so that I could realize how secure I was in Jesus, and how actually I could be so real with Jesus and he was okay with it. This covenant says, because of its strength, this covenant says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. This covenant is able to say, like it says in Romans 8 verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who saved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. This is how strong the covenant is between you and God. So I'm going to ask you to come up and pray for us. And um, I truly hope that, hope that that's been helpful to you. You are in a relationship with Jesus. It's a real relationship. And you can rest on that.
1: Thank you so much, Jenny. That has been so helpful on many levels for all of us, whether I think you've been a Christian for a week or whether you've been a Christian for 30 years. Incredibly helpful. Thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing God's word to us with such clarity but also with a real sense of faith. Do you feel faith growing within your heart? As Jenny spoke, for me, that absolutely happened. And so I'm gonna pray for us. And um two prayers. I first want to pray for the Christians, and then I want to pray for those people who do not know Jesus yet, in my second prayer. And so for all of us who are followers of Christ, I'm gonna ask you to lock into this prayer with us as God's truth ministers to those areas of doubt within our lives. You'll notice I said within our lives, including us. And so would you pray with us, please? Father, we stand and we sit here before you this morning and we celebrate the beauty of your word. Thank you that your words are truly life to us. And Lord, we pray this morning that your words of life, as they were deposited into our hearts and also into those areas of doubt within our lives, that you would have shed light into those areas. And even this week, as we ask you questions, Father, may the truth that Jenny shared with us, that it's okay to ask you questions, Because that is when you step towards us, that we would do so in a way, Father, that you would help us to connect our doubts with that purpose for which you have created us. And that is to worship you every moment of the day. So would you come and would you minister to all of us at the levels of doubt that we entertain even at this time. And so, Father, we just want to pause for a moment and we want to ask that you would take the truth that was shared with us this morning and that your Holy Spirit would massage it into those areas of doubt now so that those areas of doubt would become lighter within our lives and not be heavy as it was before Jenny spoke to us. And so, Lord, would you share that revelation with us increasingly this week so that we may believe you more each day and each day and each day. So, Father, would you help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Father, we also bring these most precious people before you today who's joined with us, who have not yet entered into that covenant relationship that Jenny spoke about, which secures us for all eternity in you. And we pray, Father, that as these people make a commitment at this moment to step into that covenant relationship that Jesus opened up for us with you when he died upon the cross, when he was buried, and when he was raised again on the third day. Lord, would you seal that covenant relationship with these people now who would cry out to you, these people now, precious, precious people, who would look to you for their salvation. Father, with that security we know, with that covenant we know that there is a joy that is present like no other, and so even now as we pray, as these people look to you, would you put a joy within their hearts, a joy that they've never experienced before? Even as they sit next to their spouse or with their children or whether they're alone, would you come and would you speak to them now about your truth that always comes to set us free? Would you do this in Jesus' name? We pray. Now, we value you very, very highly who look to Jesus for your salvation. Just to make it easier to secure that covenant relationship, there is a prayer on the screen that we would like you to pray to put down as a reference point for when you seal covenant relationship with jesus when he forgave your sins and he made you child of god and he brought you into his family and he put a seal of his salvation upon you forever and this is the type of prayer that i would like you to pray you can pray something like this but pray it to god with you and so i'm going to lead you in this prayer this prayer says dear god I know that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I confess my complete helplessness to forgive my own sin or to work my way to heaven. At this moment, I trust Jesus Christ alone as the one who bore my sin when he died on the cross and asked you to forgive my sins. I believe, as the Bible says, that you rose up from the dead on the third day so that I can have a relationship with you and inherit eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. If you pray that prayer, please speak to a fellow follower of Christ so that they can help you in the journey, or please get in contact with us, and the details are on our website. You can contact Adam, our administrator, or us, and we would be very, very glad to walk you through the commitment you made today during this week. And so thank you again for joining us, and also Lift Church, thank you so much for being with us, and may I also just say well done to Craig And the worship team, the band, you know, for just helping us to worship more. Thank you so much, guys. And again, you know, I would like to thank our production crew here who puts hours and hours and hours into the week so that we can have church like this on Sunday. Thank you so much, guys. I would like to encourage you just with our tithes and offerings Um, We're going to do it every second week so that we can be reminded that God has given us a purpose through the covenant that we entered into that Jenny explained to us. And this purpose is to be generous in our tithing and in our giving. And next week, we're going to profile one of the ministries that we want to give into. We want to give into India, and we would like you to join with us as Live Church. And so these are our banking details, if you could lock into it, and let's make sure that we continue to step into our purpose as a church. And so God bless you, and again, have a great week. Meet with us on Tuesday at half past eight, and we're going to be praying. That's in the evening, half past eight in the evening. We're going to be praying together, and so please connect with us on Zoom. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.